I'm your host, David Frost. This is my strategic forecast where you get common sense market analysis. Today is Tuesday, March 26, 2019. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. And it was certainly an interesting day out here in the markets. To the naked eye, it may just look like a garden variety market day. But I think when you peel back the onion or look under the hood, I think there's more than meets the eye. We're going to look at a lot of different charts. We're going to look at a few different markets. We're going to look at a short-term view. We're going to look at a little bit of a longer-term view. The SPY did a neat little trick today toward the end of the day. We're going to discuss that, and we're also going to discuss why I view that in the way in which I do. Let's start with the bigger picture. The trend is up. We now closed back above the 20-period moving average, so we were down there for a couple of days, but we recaptured it. It's diminished in terms of its importance. I don't want you to get the wrong idea, but what I do want you to focus on, which is also slightly diminished as we discussed last night, is the 280.40. So when we discuss the 20, we're talking about it more from a psychological perspective than from a technical perspective, meaning that when traders see that we've closed back above it, if they believe it has importance, then in effect, it does have some importance. But we also closed above the 280.40 once again. But it wasn't just the fact that we closed above 280.40. It was how we did it and what else we did in the process. That, my friends, is actually, my belief, the tale of today's tape. And remember, tape is short for ticker tape, which is slang for the market. Us old guys still call it a tape. Let's go right to the hourly chart. I want to point something out that I find interesting. I'm going to put it in the recapture camp. I find it more interesting than I find it the importance of the recapture. Although I do think it's important. It's just not something I'm willing to hang my hat on, but I think it's important. I think it's part of the market's tail. Now, here's what I'm talking about. So let's move the chart over and we'll talk for a second about the opening range. And the opening range is generally looked at upon as the opening 30-minute range. Here's the 30-minute chart. So the opening range would be the first 30-minute candle of the day. Doesn't change the story. I'm going to go back to the 60-minute. Now, here's the point. The opening range low is a thing. Traders are looking at the opening range low. So when we break an opening range low and begin trading and closing candles slash hourly candles below an opening range low, that's a negative for the market in the short term, and you'll likely get traders hopping on board, pushing the market lower. When they see the opening range low broken, they're trying to hop on board and likely push the market down farther. It somewhat becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy because once the opening range low is broken, The result is likely lower prices, so it's the chicken or the egg. It doesn't really matter. Opening range low broken, lower prices. Fair enough. That's garden variety market behavior. Nothing says we have to hold the opening range low. We gapped higher, looked good at the open. We broke the opening range low, market went lower. That's called a gap and crap. The gap and crap is really when you 
really crap out, but still, once you break the opening range low, it begins to get into the qualifying camp as a gap in crap. But here's the point. Look at this. The opening range low is 280.97. So that's the low. Look where we close the day, 281.03. Now, if I go down to a 10-minute chart, look what happened in the last candle of the day. Not only did they rally it up to close inside the opening range low, but they also rallied it to comfortably close above 280.40. We gapped above it this morning after closing below it yesterday, so they're playing ping pong. It's a game. For a period of time, the shorts get worn out. For a period of time, the longs get worn out. And when everybody's out, the market makes the move that it's intending to make. Could be on the upside, could be on the downside. Right now, we don't have to be in the total bearish camp. What's our bogeys from the daily chart perspective? Well, let's say we get over and above the high from last Friday. That was the big down day on the 22nd, right? The high is 283.80. Now, it's not exactly right around the corner, but it's not that far away either. 283.80, if we close hourly and then certainly daily above that price, that's bullish. That takes the bear reversal pattern, if you will, off the table. Friday reversal candle, close back below 280.40. All of a sudden, we're back above it. Is today a fake out or are they going to keep going? And if they close above 283.80... That's a pretty stark sign. They're not done going higher just yet. Could this also be a bear flag slash bear wedge pattern in development, right? You have the big down move from Friday, and then we're just bantering back and forth, and that'll finish off with another down move or lower for sure, but at least from this particular initial downward movement. Yeah, that's totally possible, and I don't want to talk out of both sides of my mouth. However... We are above 280.40, so the same bogey applies. Above 280.40, the market, in my mind, is bullish. Below 280.40, that changes and the ball is handed to the bears. I have to have something to hang my hat on, and for now, until proven otherwise, and we've seen it work over and over and over again, 280.40 is my bogey. The market's either going to stay above 280.40 and continue going to the upside, or it's going to break to the downside and it's not going to look back for a while. One of those two things is imminent. And I'll tell you this, if you're interested in the numbers like I am, and you watch the intraday activity, and you watch the movement on the charts, it's like anything else, politicians, anybody you talk to, watch the actions, not what they say. Don't listen to the nonsense, just watch the charts. When you see that type of movement, potential type of shenanigans at the end of the day, it's generally meaning something. It's a puzzle piece, it's on the table. And it's really in the same puzzle piece as closing above the 280.40 and that little suction job at the last 10 minutes of the day. All right, what else we got? Well, I said I was going to talk a little bit about the short term and a little bit about the longer term. Tonight, we're going to redefine longer term just a little bit. For the purposes of this discussion, longer term is going to mean a few months. So let's just say through the summer. Short term, a week or two. Longer term, a few months, maybe towards the end part of the summer. Short term, can the market still go higher? Yeah, it can. We're still in an uptrend. Look where the market is. If not for the big down day on Friday, 
Let's just say we had a couple of normal down days after the big up day on Thursday. Would we be thinking bearish like we were thinking bearish Friday and Monday? And the answer is likely not because we would have never come below 28040. And if I never brought up the 28040, nobody would even know about it. So if you visually erase the big down day, the big down candle from your mind, just for a second, I'm aware that it's still there. We're just playing a game. If you erase the red candle from your mind just for a second and you say price is at 281 and change, we had a big spike up to 285 and we pulled back a little bit, but really the trend is still up and we're still really in an environment minus last Friday where we just haven't had a wave of sellers show up other than that week at the beginning of March for three or four days. So is the market on the short term busted? And the answer is no. But what happens when we want to take a little bit longer of a view? And stay with me, there's a method to the madness. You get inside my head, you put on those big rubber boots. Take the long view back to the weekly chart. We've done the weekly chart a couple of times recently. We're going to do it again. The market can go higher. Be aware of that. Why do I say that? Because think about it. If you even believe me for a minute that 280.40 is important, you can see that we're bantering, bantering, bantering. But other than the fact of the three or four days in the beginning of March, Basically, 280.40 hasn't really rejected the market. Now, we have two sides to the coin. One is, last week, you could say that's a tail candle. Fair enough. But on the other side of the coin, you can say, we're just running sideways, eating time off the clock, building energy for another push higher to do what? Challenge the high of the breakdown candle, north of 287. The high of this candle is 288.86. We're talking 287 to 290 is the zone. Again, I don't know if we get up there, but if that's what the market is intending to do by not being rejected at 280.40 and you see what continues to happen day after day after day, regardless of what you believe, regardless of what I believe, regardless of what Yosemite Sam believes, the market's going to complete the picture of the puzzle it's assembling. And until and unless we begin getting rejected from 280.40 in the southern direction, I can't be bearish the market yet. That's the short view. The long view is we're ultimately, in my view, going to make another lower high in here somewhere, and that's going to result in another decline. But let's look at some other charts to see if we get some kind of confirmation. There are some other charts that look better than the spiders do. The Qs, they look slightly better on the weekly basis, but still could put in a lower high. Doesn't have to. They could make a new high. We don't know, but anything is possible. But here's the Qs, still in an uptrend above all the moving averages. So there's nothing wrong with this. But what happens when we look at some other stuff? A big component of the entire market is the energy sector. So if we look at the XLE and we look at the same weekly chart, what do you see? You look at a chart that's making a significantly different picture. Below the 50 period moving average, the 100 and the 200, this is a weekly chart. We're nowhere near the same position in the XLE that we are in other markets that we look at on a regular basis. 
This is a big component across the S&P 500. We have to pay attention to it. This is a longer-term puzzle piece. It's on the table, and it's a big puzzle piece. We look at the XLF, but we don't look at the weekly chart of the XLF a lot. Do you see something similar to what we just looked at in the energy sector as compared to the SPY or the S&P 500? And I'll give you the answer. It's yes. This is telling you that over the longer term, several months, could be longer, but several months, there's trouble ahead. It doesn't look the same as the SPY. So here we have the XLF and the XLE together make up an enormous component or an enormous segment of the S&P 500. What about the retail space? The XRT tracks the retail space. What do we see here? Well, the answer's obvious. We see similar to what we've just been looking at. That's why I'm bringing it up. So here's the point. Here's the takeaway. Could we rally a little bit over the next few days or few weeks? Of course we can. But what's the likelihood of busting out to new highs anytime soon? It's not likely at all. So let's translate this into what the media might say at some point later. Might as well be looking at the transports while we're talking about this. So we know about the transports. We talk about them all the time. Similar looking chart, but be careful. Short term versus long term. No reason that this can't be a bull flag pattern with higher prices coming. Doesn't have to make new highs. Doesn't have to make new highs. But this doesn't have to collapse either. Just be careful what we're looking at. You always have to look at it both ways. But here again, we're beginning to see the pattern of lower highs. That's negative for the longer term. So we're talking about energy. We're talking about the transports. We're talking about retail. The discussion becomes a slowing economy. Transports, moving goods around the country, railways, trucking, freight, FedEx, UPS. These are all leading economic indicators. How those stocks or how those sectors and the stocks within those sectors are doing is generally a leading indication of what's to come in the economy. Not necessarily next Monday, but what's coming over the next several months. Energy, always a good gauge of economic activity. If the energy sector is weak, the recession discussion begins, and it's already begun to some extent, but it will certainly accelerate if these charts and the patterns within them end up materializing. Back to the shorter term, looking at the transports on the daily chart, again, you see it's leaking away. We had an up day today, up 100 points, but look what's been going on with the transports. So we have intraday divergences, we have day-to-day divergences that go on in the market. Not every day is a market going to be up, not every day is a market going to be down, but in the bigger picture, you can see a series of Lower highs is not a positive for the market. You see it in the transports on the daily chart. You see it on the weekly chart. It's something we have to watch out for. The transports, I do not consider a healthy chart in an uptrend. This is not new news. We've been discussing this for a while. This is the canary in the coal mine. The Qs looking out to Silicon Valley. We're above all the moving averages, so technically, it's still in an uptrend. We do have the reversal day on Friday to contend with. We have all the things we discussed before. They apply to the Q chart just the same as they apply to the SPY chart. 
The bogey is Friday's high. If we start closing hourly and then daily above Friday's high, there are higher prices coming and you will see another vacuum to the upside. It may only be to the zone we discussed, the hot zone, the red zone, but it will likely be rather quick. Looking at the XLF again, but this time back to the daily chart, we talked about the media frenzy yesterday with the inverted yield curve and all that stuff. And that was kind of the signal. The more bearish the media gets in a sector, the likely we are closer to a bottom. That goes for bonds and yields. I don't think we're there yet. I think bonds still have a little bit higher to go until we get a more meaningful reversal out of bonds. That's something you can chew into. All in all, it was a pretty healthy day for the XLF. It was up or outpaced the S&P 500 on the upside. It was up about 1.2%. The S&P 500 was up about three quarters of 1%. Is that real meaningful right now? Nah, it's nothing we can hang our hat on. How about the SMH, which is a good proxy for the tech sector? Again, this is similar to the Qs. They got hammered the other day. They got hammered on Friday. They got hammered again yesterday. And here we are just having maybe a dead cat bounce rallying back to where? The same 107 area that we were focused on to begin with before price got there. Is 107 important to the SMH? Right now it is. Here's a shorter version. Looking at the 10-minute chart, is 107 important to the SMH? Yes, it is. How about Apple? We haven't talked about Apple in a few days. Last week, we began discussing 193.50, and I said it would be unlikely for Apple to be able to close a week above 193.50. Thursday, we closed above 193.50. And then Friday, we had that big smackdown across the board, and look where Apple closed, and look where we are now. Now, I didn't know any of that was going to happen, but the 193.50 was an important number in my book, and therefore, there it was. I'm not a fan of shorting Apple when everything is rising, because I know it's widely held. It's owned by everybody. Apple was relentlessly moving higher. I'm reluctant to short a stock like Apple while everybody's piling on board. Of course, it's going to turn around and reverse. Just never 100% sure about where, and you don't want to fight like 1,000 hedge funds and 5,000 mutual funds. It's too hard of a fight. I'll pick a different fight. I was saying 193.50 just because that's what the chart said. But for me, I'm not a fan of taking a short position in a stock like Apple. The only reason I bring that up is because I had a whole inbox full of emails asking me if I was shorting Apple when it got to 193.50. So I just want everybody to be clear. I'm just giving you the numbers, but I'm personally not interested in shorting Apple. Not right now. If it was doing something different, might be a different story. But over the last couple of weeks, that's not a chart I'm looking to short when it happens to be attached to one of the largest companies in the world. How about inside the numbers? What's going on inside the numbers? Well, let's go down to the pre-market morning notes real quick, and I'll give you the summary. Basically, the market was gapping higher before the opening bell, leading into the open, so it was a gap higher. So here was essentially the bogey. The bogey was in the S&P E-mini futures contract, which we also translate inside the numbers into the SPY, but 28.25 was the bogey. Above that, and they're likely to make a run for 28.35, which also happened, and then if we got back below that later in the day, which we'll see in the mid-market update, 
That was going to be in the bearish camp. In the pre-market, we also note 28.15. That was if the market was starting to fail and was getting rejected immediately. We always want to give traders both sides of the market so they can make intelligent decisions, have the important numbers at their fingertips. So the market trades on, the morning rolls on, and around 11.30, here comes the midday update. Here's where we are. The intraday bogey, 28.25. Hourly closes above or bullish. Hourly closes below, hand the ball back to the bears. You can go look at a chart and you'll see what happened. Once we got below, the bears took the ball and they drove prices all the way down to about 28.10. And then we have, of note, stocks on the move. Well, let's just go right to stocks on the move. So we scroll up. We didn't have any morning gap trades, but that's going to change because earnings season gets underway in April. So the morning gap trades and stocks on the move both will become fast and furious. There'll be plenty of opportunities. But we did have five opportunities on the board today, and three of them actually hit their price targets. So we'll real quick take a look at those charts. Then we always give traders the important numbers. The S&P E-mini futures contract, and you can see the numbers listed. You can check it out for yourself to see if they're valid or not, if they would be helpful or not. And then there's the corresponding spider numbers and also crude oil numbers. So you can see if those are effective and efficient. Then we have another section of swing trades. We have one active right now. That's gold. That'll start to get loaded up with more trades in the coming weeks. I assure you of that. We also have a gap fill master list. I rarely talk about this, but we did have a trade today that triggered on the gap fill list. So while it's on my mind, might as well show you it was DG. That's Dollar General. The gap fill price was 120. We'll take a look at that chart while we're at it. Speak of the devil, Dollar General. Here's your intraday chart. Here's your $120 trend line. Here's today's activity, first candle of the day, second candle of the day, and here we are at the end of the day, down a couple of bucks from the gap fill level. This was posted before 9 o'clock a.m. Eastern Standard Time. You saw the stocks on the move section. Here's one IQ. Now, this one came close in the first candle of the day, and then it had a tremendous rocket ride higher. Made a low of 22.94, missed our target by nine cents, and look what happened in the next candle. We were at a high of $24.03. That was a missed opportunity, but it did come down later, but I'm not interested at that point. I want the first shot. I'm not really interested in sloppy seconds. But the point is, it goes to show you the power and importance of these price targets. Every stock, every chart, every market has a destination. If we're able to identify the short-term destination that produces a short-term trade, that's what we're doing with the stocks on the move section. The next one that hit its price target was a pot stock, C-R-O-N, Kronos Group. So 1940 was the target listed on the Inside the Numbers page. Here's the opening candle of the day, the 940 candle. It closed. The 940 candle closed at 940 this morning. The low was 938, and the next candle high happened to be $20.74. Here was a rodeo ride back down to retest 1940, or a little bit lower this time, and then we took another rocket ride higher. There again goes to show you the importance of these price targets. These are important numbers. And then the last one or third one that hit its price target today off of stocks on the move was PRGO. This one opened two pennies below the level, I think. 
It opened at 45.93, and look what happened. It just immediately was infused with jet fuel and found itself just minutes later by 10 a.m. was at a high of 47.86. That's a little in the ridiculous camp, but that's why we do what we do, and this is also one of the ways that we take advantage of one of the strategies that is taught in both courses on how we can turn trades like this into a risk-free, emotionless trade. And with that, folks, I think I'm going to finish on that high note. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. My Strategic Forecast is hosted by David Frost. Subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app. And please visit MyStrategicForecast.com for more information. My Strategic Forecast is common sense market analysis.